Hey guys, my name is Pastor Ron. So glad that you tuned in to the podcast of Allentown Fellowship Church. Each week we're going to endeavor just to walk through the Bible book by book and then give you some truths that you can apply to your life. So welcome to the AFC podcast. Trust and pray that God's word today will be a blessing to you. before we jump in. Romans chapter 11 as we continue. Father, thank you again for opportunity to be in your word. And God, I pray that you would help us understand your word as you've intended it to be understood. Uh, and Father, may it be more than just listening, but then uh, may we take the application and apply it in our own lives. So we thank you, God, for the opportunity in Christ's name. Amen. All right, if we go back and look at a little recap, Paul reminds the Gentiles that God has not given up on the Jews despite the unbelief of some. They were God's chosen people, yet many of them during the time of... doesn't mean that all of them did. And remember, Paul used himself as an example. saved me. I, I know the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not like, well, the Jewish people are doomed... And they have no way of coming to know Christ. But right now, there's a large number of the nation in Paul's time, in the time of Christ, that rejected Jesus as Messiah. God had a remnant in the times of the Old Testament. And Paul says, even now, there are some who believe. Remember, he gave the example, the Old Testament example of Elijah. That here Elijah is thinking he's the only one. And God said, no, I have 7,000 Jewish people who have not bowed the knee. It's not just you. It's so easy to fall into that predicament. It's only you. It's only you, right? Um, God is drawing people to himself. God is saving people. But sometimes when you're under persecution like Elijah was, Jezebel trying to hunt him down and kill him, and, and it looks like all the other Israelites have broken the altars down and are not worshiping Jehovah anymore. You kind of feel like I'm the last man standing. But Paul's point here in sharing is that God always has a remnant. God always has a group that he's calling out, that he's saving. Jews were hardened because of their persistent unbelief. I think that's important to realize that. This, this is, has nothing to do about the fairness of hardened. Yes. Did God harden them? Yes, he did. Why? It was a judicial hardening because they kept saying, we don't want you. And he hardened them in that unbelief that they chose. Many of them have rejected God. And now the gospel has come to you, the Gentile. Don't think that you're better than the Jews. Don't don't get haughty. Don't get prideful. Because God is not done still, and God can still bring them back in to relationship with him. The, the, the letter he's writing, there are Jewish and Gentile believers in this church. And no doubt there was a lot of cultural clashing probably going on. Jews being the chosen people, there being Jews like Paul that are genuinely saved. But the Gentiles also now being in 9 and 8 and, and talking about the Jewish people and them rejecting God and 
Gentiles could get a little higher in their horse. See, you guys were the chosen ones, but now we're in. Right? Say, hold on. Don't get so prideful as if God is done working with the Jewish people. All right? Now, this idea of refusing, I, I, I wanted to mention this last time. We ran out of time, so I want to mention it now. Refusing to believe leads to a hardening. I think that's so important for us to grasp. Because in the context, this is what has happened to Israel. But by way of application for us today, I think the same thing can happen to us today. People can hear the word of God. They can hear the truth and keep, I don't want it, I don't want it, I don't want it. And actually come to a place where God turns them over to that unbelief. Hardens them, solidifies them in their own unbelief. That's a sobering thought. That's a sobering thought. I think, remember last time we said, I, I don't know when a person reaches that point. You don't know when a person reaches that point. Our job is to just keep speaking the truth, right? Just keep praying, keep speaking the truth. But scripture is very clear that people can come to a place because of not wanting God. That God says, okay, okay, go ahead. And that's sobering, and it ought to invoke compassion in us for people, right? And, and give us perseverance to keep trying to proclaim truth to people. But notice in Matthew 13, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? They're talking to Jesus. Like, Why are you talking to people in parables, Jesus? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. Oh, that's so unfair. I mean, I appreciate you speaking to us in parables, Lord. And then he would oftentimes take the disciples away and explain the parable, the truth. Well, what about them? That, like, like, they don't know. Like, why are you hiding it from them? Well, look at what he says in 12. For to the one who has, more will be given. See this principle here. And he will have an abundance. So to the one who has... I'm going to give more to that person. Okay? Here's the principle. But from the one who has not, even what he does has will be taken away. There's a principle there that's so important. And I believe in the context what he's talking about having or not having is that truth, responding to truth. You got a little bit of truth? You're responding to it? I'm going to give you a little bit more. But to him who has, not, not responding to the truth. Well, even what you do have, I'm taking that. <laughs> you see the principle here? This is sober. Now notice what he says. Remember, he's answering the question. Why do you speak to them in parables? 13, this is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Okay, so Jesus is saying, I'm teaching you, my disciples, in parables, and I'm kind of cloaking the spiritual truths in these parables. Yeah, but then they don't understand done with them. Wow. 
Hearing, seeing, they don't hear, they don't see, spiritually speaking. I'm done with them. I'm going to focus on you guys now. You say, well, that's so unfair. No, no, it's not unfair. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, look what Jesus says, almost echoing what Paul said about the Jewish people in Romans last week. Remember how he used Hosea and the Psalms to bring an indictment on Israel? The hardening that Israel had, why did they have that hardening? Because of their unbelief. God says, you don't want to believe? Fine. Be solidified in that. Here we see Jesus dealing with the same thing. And so Jesus quotes the prophecy of Isaiah. Here's what Isaiah says. You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. That sounds futile. Okay, but why? For this people's heart has grown dull. Guess what? You can have people sitting in church for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and they're not believers. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they have closed. He's talking spiritually now. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart, here's the key, and turn. Turn from their disobedience. Look what Jesus says through the prophet Isaiah. And I would heal them. Comfort it away. <laughs> and I would heal them. So again, you see the same principle. Jesus, why are you using parables? Because they don't want to hear the truth. So I'm not giving them any more truth. I'm speaking to you now in parables. And I will explain that spiritual truth to you. Wow. Kind of goes in hand in hand with what? Don't cast your pearl before swine. You see this principle throughout the life of Christ. Where there's often times where... He did not go into those cities. Why? That seems so unfair. No, because he knew their hearts. He knew the unbelief. We're not going there anymore. Even to the point, remember, people calling out to him, Lord, Lord. He was like, stop calling me Lord. Stop calling me Lord because you do nothing that I say. There's a principle here. When somebody responds to truth, I believe God gives them more truth. But when somebody rejects the little bit of truth that they've been given, I don't want that, I don't, I, I don't believe that, I don't believe that, then God says, okay, have it your way. And this same predicament is happening in our text. So take a look, Romans 11, we're going to pick it up, verse 11, Romans 11 and 11. So remember, Paul is coming off of the fact that there is still a remnant, God hasn't forsaken Israel, even though God has hardened them, right? Back up a little bit into verse 8. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day, right? The same idea of what Jesus was was showing us through Isaiah because of Israel's unbelief. God hardened their hearts. And again, that's a place that you never want to be. 
where you keep rejecting God's truth to the point where you're solidified in that unbelief. We come to verse 11, and notice how Paul, throughout this book, is answering questions. So he gives these hypothetical questions, right, that they probably are thinking. Because remember, they're reading this letter from him. So verse 11 says, So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? So in other words, you Gentiles might be thinking, okay, so they stumbled, they disbelieved Jesus, the Messiah, so that they might be destroyed. Like, that's it for them, right? What does Paul say? By no means. This is not their final destruction. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. Wow. So God had a purpose even in their disobedience. Remember, the Messiah was promised through the nation of Israel, through the Jewish people. Messiah comes. Jesus comes. He does all the miracles, all the works. Says, I am he. I'm fulfilling all the messianic prophecies. They're like, we don't want you. We don't want you. So then what happens? Paul says, listen, because of their trespasses, now salvation has come to the Gentiles. So Paul identified himself as what? I am coming as one preaching to the Gentiles. The Jewish people have rejected the Messiah. The attention is now on the Gentiles. Notice what he says. Verse 12. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, in other words, for the Gentiles, you reject the Messiah, now the Messiah is presented to the Gentiles. And if their failure means that's what he's saying. Now listen, if if it was all about that, and now the Messiah goes out to the world, the gospel is preached to the Gentiles, to everyone. But if it, if originally it was supposed to be to the Jew first, don't you think they can still get back in? <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> right? You Gentiles, get off your high horse. Say, oh, you stumbled. Y'all done. Now, hold on. You were, it was first to the Jews. Remember we kept seeing that little phrase in Romans, to the Jew first, then the Gentile, to the Jew first. Remember we talked about that? I have to go back and look at those messages if you forget. But there was a sense of what? Priority. Not favoritism. Not favoritism. In the sense of God likes you but doesn't like you. Because remember, the original promise to Abraham, all the way back to Abraham, the promise was what? All nations. That was the original promise, not just the Jew. The Gentile was always included in God's plan of redemption. The, it's not like, well, the Jews rejected the Messiah. All right, well, who else? Would, well, let's go over here and try to save some Gentiles. That's not the way it was. It was always the Gentiles in mind and the Jewish person in mind, all men. When he told Abraham, through you, all nations will be blessed. But now you and I are looking at this historical time in history as there's a shift focusing now on the Gentiles because the Jews have rejected him. But Paul reminds them, but listen, how much more will their full inclusion mean? So right there, he gives a little hint 
The Jewish people are not finito. They're not done. Because if you're a Gentile and you are in through faith in the Messiah, and originally it was presented to them, don't think that they still can't get in. So he gives us a little glimpse that there's still a purpose and a plan for Israel, for the Jewish people. Notice what he says in verse 13. Now I am speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. Wow. As I'm now focusing on you Gentiles, what does he mean? I'm, I'm, I'm praying that the Jews might actually become jealous. Jealous of what? And now you Gentiles are getting the blessings that God is bestowing upon you through what Jesus did. I'm praying as the Jews are over there watching, like, man, look at that Paul talking to the Gentiles. Look at these people getting saved. Man, the Messiah is supposed to be for us. Yeah, I know, but we reject them. Shut up, man. <laughs> you can see all that going on over here. And he's hoping that it'll provoke a longing. Like, we want to know God the way these Gentiles are knowing God. Yeah, but the Gentiles are knowing God through faith in Christ, Mr. Jewish guy. The one who you crucified, the one who you're saying is not the Messiah. Paul is saying that he's hoping as they see the gospel spread in the lives of these Gentiles, that the Jewish people will be like, ah, you know what? It is about faith in Christ. It is about Jesus was the Messiah. That's what he means. I'm, I'm hoping to provoke jealousy in you, a longing in you that you will come and bow the knee and accept this Messiah who came for you. You see Paul's desire for his people? We saw him say that earlier, right? My heart is for my people I wish that I could be accursed, that I would be separated from God for the sake of the Jewish people. There is a love he has here for the Jewish people. So he says again in 14, in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. Now look at the argument he begins to build. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? Again, there it is again. Man, if the fact that they rejected the Messiah, the Messiah, uh, the gospel now is being preached to the Gentiles because the Jewish people, again, as a nation, rejected. So then God in his sovereignty said, Paul, go preach to the Gentiles. Done with Israel. Temporarily. Just like Jesus Christ. I'm not going into those cities anymore. Done. Remember the disciples had a problem with Jesus Christ doing what? Interacting with Gentiles? Unclean Gentiles? The Syrophoenician woman? The lepers? Right? H had a problem with this. But in Jesus' ministry, it was a glimpse of what was going to come. That the gospel was not only coming to the Jews, it was coming to the Gentiles too. In Paul's day, we see that historically being played out. So on a whole, as a nation, doesn't mean within the nation there were not saved Jews. There were. We saw that last week. There's a remnant. But as a whole, they rejected. So now God is working through the apostles to go to the Gentiles. But again, doesn't mean that he's done with the Jewish people. 
We even see that played out in the book of Acts. Because many of the Jewish people came to know the Lord. Let's go back. 15. For if their rejection means reconciliation, means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? Spiritually speaking here. Now, he gives these two examples of the dough and the vineyard or the vine, the olive tree. Okay? Very interesting. Every Jewish person would have understood this. It sounds weird to us, but they would have understood this. This first example of the dough is, is, has to do with the sacrifices that they were. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, picture this, the Jewish people would come with the offering of the dough, but the priest would take a portion of the dough. What does that sound like? A remnant. <laughs> a piece of the dough out of the whole. Every Jewish person would have understood this. Well, yeah, like the, the whole loaf is holy. So we give a portion to the priest for the because it came from the dough. Does that make sense? Okay? Look at the argument he's making. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole. Keep in mind, what is it that he's trying to defend here? God is not done with Israel. God kicked Israel to the curb because of their unbelief. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Now he kind of switches to this analogy or this picture of the tree, the olive tree. But if some of the branches were broken off, that's Israel. See if you can stay with the, the, the analogy here. And you, although a wild olive shoot, that's the Gentiles, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. Okay, what is he saying? He's painting a picture here. Remember, what is he trying to get across? Even though Israel stumbled, they are not ultimately destroyed. God is still going to be bringing Israel in. So he uses these two things from the offering of the dough, this part was used, the whole dough is still holy, right? There's still value in these people, okay? He comes to the olive tree, and notice what he says. Branches were broken off of the olive tree. The natural branches. Here's an olive tree with natural olive branches. They were broken off, representing Israel. Why were they broken off? Because of unbelief. And he says, you Gentiles, you, although a wild olive shoot. Now, the Jewish people, as agricultural people, would have known, no, 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 no. Paul, you don't, you got it backwards. You don't take a wild olive shoot and graft it on. That's contrary to nature. Paul's like, uh-huh, that's my point. <laughs> He's trying to make a point. You Gentiles were like a wild olive shoot, others, and now you are nur getting nourishment from what? That olive tree. A wild olive branch grafted into the main olive tree that's not wild, that's producing, and you're getting the benefit of it. You see what he's doing? 
you're getting the benefit of what was promised to Israel. <laughs> but because they rejected, their branches were broken off so that you could be grafted in. You see the picture? You're like, yeah, that's right, that's right. I'm, I'm, I got this branch now. I'm the man, and, and their branches are thrown over there. But notice what he says. 18, do not be arrogant toward the branches. Ooh. Don't be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root. Remember, you were grafted in. But the root that supports you. Let me say it this way. If it wasn't for the Jewish people, you wouldn't be here. Ooh. It's the, it, it, it's the Messiah promised to them first. And yes, they rejected it, but it came to them first. You see the argument he's making? Remember, he's, he, he's arguing this question of, is God done with the Jews? You've got to keep that in mind as you read this. Paul's making a case God is not done, done with the Jews. To them we're given. Remember we read that? To them we're given the promises and the covenants and all those things. There is a rich relationship God had with his people. But because of their unbelief, God put a temporary, okay, I'm done with you guys. I'm going after the Gentiles. Gentiles are like, yes, yes, we're in. Hold on, it's not just about you. It's still about them too. Don't get too cocky. <laughs> That's my paraphrase. Okay? <laughs> Notice what he says. 18, do not be arrogant towards the branches if you are. Remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, he's anticipating the, the Gentiles saying this, well, the branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. See the arrogance? Paul says, you know what? That's true. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. They were broken off. Here it is. Don't miss it. Because of their unbelief. Yes, they were broken off because they rejected the Messiah. Watch this. But you stand fast through faith because you believe in the Messiah. You believe in Jesus Christ. That's the only reason you're grafted in. So do not become proud, but fear. Fear, fear what? Look at what he says. For if God did not spare the natural branches, <laughs> neither will he spare you. Now, I do not believe this is scripture teaching you can lose your salvation. Some preach that this is Jesus teaching. See, you, you can lose your salvation. He just said it right there. He broke off Israel as the natural olive branches. Remember, the olive tree is, 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 is the the picture or the symbol of Israel, right? It represents Israel, okay? He broke those natural olive branches off, threw them over there, and then grafted in wild olive branches, me a Gentile, right? And now I'm like, yeah, see, I'm in, you're out. Woohoo! He's like, excuse me, you could be broken off too. Huh, yeah. Now why were they broken off? This is why I believe this is not teaching you can lose your salvation. They were broken off because of what? Their unbelief. They never trusted in the Messiah. So don't think, just like the Jewish people were struggling with, we're in because we're the chosen people. 
God's like, uh, no, because you think just because ethnically you're a Jew, you're automatically saved. You're not. You still need to bow the knee and place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we don't believe in Jesus Christ. Okay. I'm hardening your heart. I'm going after the Gentiles. Gentiles are like, yes. All right. We're in. Ha ha. He's like, hold on a minute. Just because we're coming to you because you're Gentiles, we're coming to you because they reject it. We're coming to you now. That, just is, that doesn't mean you're automatically saved as a Gentile either. You still need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see the argument he's making? has nothing to do with whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, which is why later on he's going to say there is neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, slave or free, but we're all in Christ. I need an amen on that. <laughs> I love what Paul is doing here. He's bringing it all together. It's not about being a Jew, not about being a Gentile. Look at what he says. Verse 21, for if God did not spare the natural branches, the people he chose, Israel, his own people. Yeah, I can't believe God didn't even spare his own people because they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't believe in faith in Christ alone. Remember, he said it's not of works. Neither will he spare you. So then he, he, he sums up, look, look what he says. Note then. The kindness and the severity of God. Wow. Severity towards those who have fallen. Why have they fallen? Unbelief. But God's kindness, Mr. Gentile, to you. Not because you're a Gentile. Because of his grace. Provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. Wow. And again, I believe what he's talking about there is faith in Christ, not works, not because I'm a Gentile, but obedience in what Christ has done, trusting in what Jesus has done. And notice what he says in 23, and even then, if they do not continue, who's the they there? The branches that were broken off. The Jews. And even they, if they do not continue, what? In their unbelief. Will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree. And grafted, that's you Gentile, contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree. How much more will these, the Jewish people, the natural branches, because they were of Israel, be grafted back into their own olive tree? You see what Paul is doing here? Don't you think for a moment that even though they rejected the Messiah and God has hardened their hearts, closed their eyes because of their unbelief, and now has come to you as a Gentile, that you're any better than they are? 
Because if anything, God didn't choose to use a Gentile nation. He chose to use a Jewish nation. So hold up before you start boasting. And that salvation has now come to the Gentiles that the Jews rejected. If salvation can come to you as a Gentile through faith in Jesus Christ alone, what makes you think that if they don't continue in their unbelief that God won't put them back in? And do you see the picture he's making? He's using the olive tree to paint a picture because everybody understood. Of course you can take an olive tree branch and graph it back into an olive tree. That's natural. So he says, well, what, much, what makes you think the Jewish people can't come back in relationship with God if they stop rejecting him? So again, Israel is not unreachable. They were set apart originally by God. Remember, to them were given the promises, the covenants, all of that, right? Gentiles were brought into a relationship with God through grace. They were grafted in. Not because they were Jewish, not because they were Gentiles, but because of God's kindness, his grace. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We read about this earlier, that the Jews attempted to have righteousness through the law, through the works. But the Gentiles were seeking it through faith. Faith in who? In Jesus Christ. The Jews can certainly be brought back into a relationship with God. And again, Paul alludes to that in here, that there is a spiritual restoration in the future. Now, what does that look like? Does that mean every single Jew? I don't know. I don't know. The point is, in the context here, he's saying, Mr. Gentile, yes, you are in the tree. You are in relationship with God. But that's only through faith in Jesus Christ. And the original people who heard it first, the Jews, some of them, they can. And I would go on to say, will many of them be grafted back in? How? Oh, because they were the original chosen ones? No! Because they will place faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So don't think God is done with them. And then we see Gentiles should not get on their high horse, and neither should we. Don't you ever forget that you are saved by God's grace. I don't care how bad other people are. We tend to compare ourselves to family members and friends that are just out in the world doing all kinds of wickedness. Look at them. Look at them. Hold on. Look at you. Yeah, but I've never did. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Don't ever think somebody's unreachable. It's only by God's grace that you and I sit here. And of course, the person who rejects God, I don't want God. And then they make those decisions and their life just spirals down. It's easy for us to get on our high horse and say, yes, yeah, see? That's it. You read what you sow. That's what the Bible says, right? And we start getting a little pompous and a little arrogant and almost a little judgmental, like, yeah, you're getting what you deserve. Hold on a minute. You're not the judge. God's the judge. We see Israel rejecting God, too. We see Israel not worshiping Jehovah and worshiping idols and totally rejecting and forgetting all that God did for them. 
And yet Paul says what? Be careful, Gentiles. Don't be arrogant. God can still save them. That ought to be our heartbeat towards all people. And again, it's hard sometimes when you see somebody living contrary to Scripture year in and year out. Well, Israel was doing the same thing. And yet God, God through his grace, saved Paul, saved many Jews, even within the rejection by many Jews. But there is a future number that Paul says can be grafted back in. It's only through God's grace any will be saved. Through faith in Christ, not in our own righteousness or works. Father, I pray that as we can look back historically and see what you did in the Old Testament with your chosen people and how they rejected you, but then yet even still, they may have rejected you as a nation, but you had a remnant. You saved the Apostle Paul. You saved others, God, who were of Jewish lineage. God, I praise you that you told Abraham the gospel was always for all nations. The Jew first, absolutely, but then the Gentiles. So God, I pray that you would just help us to have compassion for all people. People need to come out of darkness into the light. They need their sins forgiven. They need to recognize that Christ died to make peace with you, Father. And if that peace is not made through his blood people are not trusting in that, then they will deal with a God of anger and wrath who will rightfully judge them in their sins. God, I thank you that you opened up our eyes one day. Father, we trusted in Jesus Christ who made peace with you, Father, on our behalf because of his blood. So, Father, help us just to leave this place having compassion for others. Father, just having a humility in our hearts as we reflect on how awesome the gospel of grace is. And so, Father, we thank you in Christ's name. Thanks for tuning in to the AFC Podcast. I hope and pray today's word has challenged you to align your thinking with God's word. If you would like to come visit us for one of our services, we would love to have you. We are located at 457 West Allen Street in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We are in what is called the Daybreak Room, which is housed in the Dubs Community Center. 457 West Allen Street, Allentown, PA. Our services start at 1 p.m. So if you're looking for a church that sticks to the Word of God, come on out and join us. We'd love to see you. Till next time, God bless.